This is Around the League from UGASports.com, the show where we weekly go through the SEC slate of games and give you our takes on what we think is going to happen in the SEC and what happened previously. I'm Dane Young. That's Jim Donnan, the former Georgia head coach. That's who you want to hear from. And with the bag on his head, quite literally, if you're not watching, uh, Brent Rollins is uh, really fitting in the oldest about. I'd say two minutes of that game to realize it wasn't going to be good for you. Well, I knew was, it, I go ahead, good. Figure out if he was going to have the bag or he's going to have popcorn. Uh, you know, like uh, either one would have been good. But hey, we all make mistakes. I mean, <laughs> I think it's just uh, that was one of the ones that uh, really went out on a limb and they didn't deliver. But uh, certainly they got the possibilities of still being. Very explosive. So I'm going to take up for you a little bit. I don't want everybody to bust up on you, but. Well, I will say I felt pretty good. And then Lane did the popcorn thing. Like the instant, the instant he did that, I was just like, oh, this is probably not going to end well. <laughs> you know, the popcorn always, one of the things I always figured that usually happens, there's a direct correlation between a team losing and a team having the coach before the game having the cameras in his locker room. Usually speaking, uh, that guy gets his ass beat. It's one of those things, though, just from a fan and a media perspective, if you do it and it works, it's pretty darn legendary. Oh. But when it doesn't, it's exactly what it was. Uh, well, it just offers up marketing opportunities for your football program that they put out today. Yeah, they're saying, uh, what is it, a deal on popcorn I think I saw? Yeah, free popcorn, first 5,000 people or something like that. That's pretty smart on their part. Uh, all right, so let's get to uh, some of the games this week in the SEC. Again, we go around the league, uh, and we kind of do it based on the time of the games. Uh, and it starts with the Ole Miss Rebels, a noon Eastern kick, 11 o'clock local time. Arkansas coming off its whipping against Georgia, going against Ole Miss, and its whipping against Alabama. One of the teams is going to begin to spiral a bit after this one. The other may get things back on track. Coach, what happens? I think this is the reality bowl. I mean, it's going to be a reality pill for one of these teams. Certainly, uh, both of them feel like they can still be very attractive in the big picture, uh, you know, to go to a major bowl. But, you know, you get two losses, then, it, you know, you're struggling knowing that you still got to play your cross rival, uh, you know, like uh, Mississippi State playing Ole Miss. And, uh, you know, it's just – a, a huge game, as we know, but uh, I think quarterback play to me is going to be very indicative of what happens because last year Corral threw all those picks and he hasn't thrown one since. Uh, you know, he hasn't had a pick since that game. And uh, we saw uh, the, you know, quarterback from uh, uh, from Arkansas really struggle last week against Georgia's defense. He didn't look 100%, KJ. So I, I think quarterback play is going to really decide this game, and I, I give a real big edge to the home field quarterback in Corral, and he just seems to have more weapons, has a lot better offensive line. Uh, you know, that line for um, Arkansas just didn't – even though they're going against Georgia, they you know just made some really bad mistakes as far as uh, positioning and things like that. So I'm going with uh, Ole Miss to probably take this game. I agree, Coach, and, and also you, know, you think what was interesting about Ole Miss is was the strategy in the game against Alabama. And they went for it on that, like the first drive, I think four or fourth downs, and finally didn't get it. And then late, you know, a couple other times going for it on fourth down, 
I actually liked the strategy. They just didn't execute. And I, I thought it was a lot more run heavy in those situations than I was. I, I thought I'd see. I thought I'd see a lot more throw game uh, from them against Alabama, but they just didn't. But I will say, Coach, one question I have for you about this game. Both teams obviously got their tail kicked for the most part. Do you as a coach, do you track, do you not even look at that film like, hey, you know, you as the coaches do, obviously, but not even mess with it with the players. Hey, we're going, we're moving forward, moving forward. Or is that something where you still, you know, hey, we got our butt kicked here. We got our butt kicked here. And you're showing that on film to the players. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can walk away from it and just say it didn't happen, but you can't dwell on it. That's for sure. Uh, the the major thing here is not so much when you got beat physically, but when you made mental errors or didn't do the things that you've been coached to do. It's hard enough to win without the uh, the mental errors, but certainly uh, a lot of mistakes by uh, you know the Razorbacks in the kicking game, also really poor. Uh, judgment, uh, you know, as far as jumping off sides, illegal motion, you, you know, you're going to be playing again in a real hostile crowd. So you got to do a better job that if you're Arkansas and then Ole Miss, you just got to understand that, hey, you don't get many second chances in big games. And, uh, you know, most games are lost with mistakes. And uh, certainly all you got to do is put on last year's tape when they played uh, over there in, in uh, Fayetteville when they just got drudged. But by their own mistakes, which were caused a lot by, you know, certainly the uh, Razorbacks. But, you know, I think Ole Miss just got uh, too much firepower right now. Coach, I've said this on multiple shows that we've done, but I haven't just flat out asked you. So tell me if I'm wrong in this. I keep saying that I don't see Arkansas as a team that's built to come from behind if it gets down a couple of scores. Is that right or, or am I missing something? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Just because you look at their third down conversions, uh, that is very indicative of a team that has trouble coming from behind because the other team knows you're going to be throwing. The same thing's true on first or second down when you're coming from behind and you're having to throw and you don't have the threat of the RPOs or the or the, or the quarterback runs and all that. So um, I thought their coaching staff, uh, you know, really didn't challenge Georgia. I was surprised they didn't throw the ball, some deep shots, uh, I don't know what they were doing. I guess they were trying to figure out what Georgia was doing, just like the players were. But uh, very poor plan there in the first half, I thought. Didn't you, Brent? Yeah, very much so. And, and and once once the punt block happened, like now it's okay. Everything you thought about the week is now out the window, and, and you oftentimes just go back. Okay, can we do something? Let's get something positive. Uh, but you know, this is just a big. I, you know, it's obviously sort of secondary now because of the loss of each team that they each, they had last weekend. But this is a humongous game, especially for Ole Miss, because they're going to be favored, likely favored in every remaining game. And, you know, you finish 11-1 and one and your only loss is to Alabama, <laughs> heck of a season for them, one of the best they've ever had. Yeah, it looks like, looks like the West to me right now, the way A&M's not functioning on offense and – uh, you know, everybody's got their warts, that's for sure. But there's not a real overpowering second team uh, in the West. And, you know, in the East, we'll, we'll just have to see uh, about uh, Kentucky. Uh, they, you know, they've had some very close wins, but they haven't been very dominant. And they, their offense has been trending downward. They haven't been moving the ball near as well as they did early in the year. But uh, we'll talk about it the rest of the season. But right now, it's just Alabama and Georgia. But you know, if you would end up eleven and one, you got a chance to go to the Sugar Bowl or 
a major bowl and for your second year for a guy like uh you know coming in there lane kiffin that, that'd be great but uh I, I do think that one team that we're going to talk about today you and i've talked about off air tennessee balls all of a sudden there's somebody you got to really uh, be concerned about with uh fact that they can run the ball so well off that fast pace i mean they take advantage of people not getting lined up and just gash you so uh you know i think that can hurt uh, an old miss defense that's a bend and don't break type team it's like it hurt uh, arkansas last week you know we ran right at them i think this uh ball de- offense can can run right at Ole miss and can you imagine the vitriol up there when lane comes into that stadium it's going to be unbelievable. He's the head coach of a team that he left hanging there at the altar there about seven or eight years ago. Coach, I think you're right that as we are a month into the season, it does appear that Georgia and Alabama are on a different plane than the rest of the SEC. However, it's October 7th. And the thing that we all love about college football is crazy stuff can happen. Teams that are more talented can lose to those that are not as talented. Weird things happen in weird stadiums with teenage kids playing football games. So neither team is immune. Another thing that's weird to me that a lot of people on the the East Coast might not have read, but, uh, you know, the offensive coordinator for Oregon was in the hospital last week when they played Stanford. So, uh, you know, we've, you, we've talked about the COVID, and supposedly this was non-COVID, but I hope Moorhead's going to be all right. But we've talked about this, uh, all three of us, on the air and off. you got to have a plan in this COVID situation if a coach goes down just as much as you do a player going down. So you've got that mechanics of calling the game and doing all that, then all of a sudden you got somebody else calling it. That's a heck of a different situation. And they're not going to put that asterisk on your schedule to say, hey, we – we could have won this game if our offensive coordinator had been there. Very true. Very, very true. Not going to happen in the next game, though, I don't think, Dane. <laughs> well, before we get to that game, and I'm turning up my gain on my mic a little bit because I think I'm a little low. Uh, before we get to the game, I want to tell you about our friends at uh, Connor Grading and Landscaping, just the, the great people that support this show. We ask you to support the people that support us. Connor Grading and Landscaping is in Monroe, Georgia, and if you want your home and the exterior of your home to really shine and be the envy of all of your neighbors, you need to call the folks at Connor Grading and Landscaping. You can check out some of the work that they've done over on their Facebook page. And look, you're going to find out some things about your yard and its situation right now with the amount of rain that we've had in Georgia. You're going to really see what needs work right now. And it may be a good time to get them out there and say, hey, can we get the water draining this way a little bit so this this can be preserved? It's a good time to know where the flaws are at in your yard and get them to check it out so they can do some grading, some landscaping. And then by the time that uh, the football season comes to a wrap, maybe we get closer to SEC championship game, you're all set for a beautiful spring springtime as well connor grading and landscaping go check out their facebook page uh and you can probably do that while we talk about the next game because i don't know if there's a whole lot to say vanderbilt does get a win against uh connecticut uh on a last second kick vanderbilt now at noon eastern time goes down to florida ben hill griffin stadium to the swamp to play the gators uh coach i I think this is pretty cut and dry the gators uh, after losing to kentucky get a little bit of a reprieve at home Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, they're going to have a track meet if they take care of the ball. But there's going to be a lot of people disguised as seats in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium this week. I don't see a, a big sellout crowd. Uh, you know, everybody's kind of chapped at Coach Mullen and their team with all the penalties and everything. 
it'll be a, uh, you know, a good crowd, but I, I just think it'll be a situation where uh, Vanderbilt's just going to be highly uh, outmanned. It's like they're going to be most of the rest of the year. Uh, good win for them over UConn Huskies. And uh, I thought that was the pillow fight of the year, but really it's not. The, the one is going to be this week. UConn and UMass this week. Both yep. of those teams are low on a totem pole. But, uh, you know, Who I are think – you picking in that game, Coach? Pick a team. I can't pick one there. I mean, <laughs> I, I got to feel UConn uh, – I just think – a, a team that's got the nickname Huskies as compared to a team that's got the nickname Minutemen. I just don't know if that's the makes me too fired up. But uh, you're picking games like my mom picks games now. That's yeah, a March Madness strategy right there. Yeah. That, that, that's the way I look at that one because they're both so bad. But uh, Vanderbilt, you know, might have a chance to cover in the spread. Thirty nine and a half is a lot of points. I mean, they score one touchdown, but. What you're probably going to see, they're going to put Richardson in there, and he's going to run up and down the field. So, uh, uh, but this this Florida team, uh, highly undisciplined last week, a very poor performance on the road. I mean, I don't know anybody in America, college, pro, high school, junior high, little league that can get by with 15 penalties and get a field goal block for a touchdown. That's that's a real good recipe for losing. It was, and it's that I think that was it's just. When you're watching that game, you're like, all right, Florida, you should be dominating this game. And they hung around and hung around, and then the field will go block happened. And then it's like, uh-oh, we're in trouble. Uh, but I think the biggest question for this week with Florida is, do you get 30 pass attempts? Because your running game is solid. You're running, you can do things in the running game with both QBs. Can you start throwing the ball and throwing the ball efficiently and effectively? And, and if they do, all right, fine. But that, that to me is the thing they're going to see. But the most interesting thing from the Vandy game was – was the the flag, like the guy with the flag running across before the right before the field goal was kicked? I thought that was fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't figure that one out. But you know, the other thing about Florida is throw the ball down the field, even in warmups. Take the ball and heave it. I mean, they didn't even attempt to pass uh, over twenty yards last week. So uh, air it out a little bit. We know Emory Jones can throw the ball, and uh, you know it, it's easy to get on Coach Mullen right now because of, of that but you know you got to get on the head coach first and he is the offensive coordinator and they didn't do a good job of uh closing it out that's the thing that kills you when you when you you, you double a team and an offensive performance and you you keep the other team way less than their average and you still lose the game uh you know you got to really look at yourself in the mirror and look at what you're trying to do and you know florida's got lsu uh, after this game on the road so uh, I'm sure they've been working on them this week some too. How crazy is it that CBS found itself in a position where Kentucky versus Georgia is the preferred game over Florida versus LSU? If you would have told me that six weeks ago, I would have said you're absolutely insane. But it's the case. That's the game to, to go to. They're undefeated right now. Yeah, well, you're probably going to get two undefeated teams if, if you know, unless LSU gets some kind of pass protection. Uh, I know they're not going to get a running game going unless they run some jet sweeps or things like that. But, uh, you know, CBS got to look at their, uh, you know, look in the mirror. Hey, look at what happened last weekend for, for all the Georgia fans. That was the highest rating in five years for game day uh, when they came here last week. And you think that doesn't make ESPN feel pretty good? Uh, and then that's, that with that crowd uh, carrying over that's watching game day, to your main game at 12 o'clock, 
you just get ratings. And I'm telling you now, you can talk about it all you want to, but they, they live and die with the ratings. And, and certainly those two ratings that Georgia gave them last week, CBS is seeing that too. CBS is going to have us three straight weeks now. Uh, you know, we're going to have Auburn this week, then Kentucky, and then the, the uh, cocktail party. Well, for CBS, it'll be three out of four. It'll be three straight for Georgia because there is the bye week in between Kentucky and Florida. Oh, come on. Hey, that's the way to talk there, Dane. You're exactly right. Yes, sir. <laughs> I, hey, Coach, you don't most make many mistakes. I'm going to call most, you out when you do. Most of us beat bye. We, we usually win against bye. I'm not that's sure that good. Vanderbilt will. I really <laughs> yeah. don't know. It's going to be tight. Well, Vandy's got two wins now. Don't, don't get too bad on them. That's the good thing about the guy. He, he's got to feel good about the fact that he inherited a, you know, a dumpster fire and he's really doing a good job of at least keeping those kids fired up enough to know, Hey, let's beat the teams we can beat. You never know what happens when they play uh, against South Carolina or, you know, I think Tennessee's a lot better now, but uh, Missouri, that's a viable game for them. Yep. Oh, I'm, I, I'm not saying Clark Lee's doing a bad job. I'm just saying that situation. I'm not sure if Vandy gets three wins in the Sun Belt. I mean, that's, yeah. that's where I am with them. You're exactly right. And uh, the fact that you've got your glasses on today makes you look even more astute and uh, more uh, scholarly for that kind of pick. I'm, I'm in the middle of my master's program, man. So I'm doing uh, a lot of reading on some previous research. I so like it. I like I, it. I, I have to, to play the part, right? Uh, the other game at noon Eastern time, uh, South Carolina going to Knoxville, the aforementioned Tennessee Volunteers. Coach, you've been telling us that Missouri's defense was porous. I didn't know to what extent that meant until I saw what Tennessee did last week. Hey, we were watch, doing the watch-along show, and I saw that score and I almost fell out of my chair because uh, I had no idea that Mizzou had that capabilities, and I don't think Brent did too, but, you know, he studies them more than me. But to get that many yards rushing and to score that many points, particularly on the road against a team that, you know, we thought was pretty decent. They, they played Kentucky down to the wire. And, uh, you know, Boston College is a ranked team up there in, in the uh, ACC. So, uh, but, oh, I tell you, Mizzou took a really bad step backwards last week, uh, particularly in the Eastern Division, because all of a sudden other teams there, you know, feel like they got a shot. South Carolina, Vanderbilt, everybody. I mean, this is a terrible defense. We thought it was bad, but it, it's, it's really bad. And, uh, you know, I think for this Tennessee game, I'm, I'm just thinking Tennessee has got to have a little juice right now. I mean, all of a sudden they're looking at instead of just licking their wounds and going on probation, maybe having a chance to go to a bowl game. Uh, you know, they got to play Ole Miss across rival game, Alabama cross rival game. Then they played Georgia and Kentucky. That's, that's four straight pretty tough games coming up for them. But, they do have Vandy at the end of the year, and I think they have South Alabama. So it's going to be interesting to see how they finish up. Yeah, that's like with Tennessee. Like, you, if you would have said, hey, you're bowl eligible at the end of the season, I think every Tennessee fan would have said, wow, given the losses that they have, coaching staff changes, player, literally half their team, it seems like, left by the portal. Like, that was, you know, from their perspective, they're looking pretty good. And you think about it, they've now scored – now, other than the 14 against Florida, 38, 34, 56, and 62. They're putting up points. They're putting up offense. Their running game, like Coach said, is is dynamic with both the running backs, Evans and Small, Hooker. I mean, Hinton Hooker, like what was interesting about it is 
you watch all the tape that you had last year. You had Bailey, you had uh, Joe Milton there, and then Hooker. Like to me, Hendon Hooker was by far and away the best choice. And then it took you know some other play and possible little dinged up deal with uh, Milton to get him in there. And now that he's there, their offense has taken off. And you know, for them being bowl eligible, you know, they can fin- finish with two wins over the Fighting Jake Bentleys and and Vanderbilt. Like, all right. Good job for good job by Tennessee. I mean, and, and to me, like if you look at obviously if other people who watch this focus on Georgia, but Tennessee is the one team like from an offensive standpoint. I, I, I'm curious to see how they play against Georgia's defense because of the style that they play and the tempo that they play with. Yeah, tempo hurts any team, and you you, you keep Georgia from subbing, which they love to do. You know what I mean? So by running those plays like that, even. Uh, uh, unless you sub, if you put one in, they got to give you time. But uh, Georgia really relies on a lot of fresh bodies. But one thing about South Carolina I've been impressed with is the takeaways. They're doing a good job on turnovers, causing the other teams to uh, turn the ball over. They're right up there among the nation's leaders in uh, turnover ratio. But the biggest problem is their offense just can't generate anything. And uh, it's going to be, you know, Tennessee's a decent defense, particularly against the run. Uh, we're just not seeing a guy like Harris. I mentioned this to uh, Brent yesterday. Uh, Harris had all that rushing yards last year, and he, he's got hardly anything this year. And, uh, you know, you just don't know whether Doty can throw the ball good enough to manufacture the offense. They, they You know, they haven't scored 20 points in a long time. So we'll just have to see. Maybe – what was the score last week? Maybe got 20 against – 23, I think, or something like that. Yeah. They, uh, uh, but this is a game that – they probably had earmarked that they, they have a chance to win that along with Vanderbilt, uh, you know, um, and Missouri. So same thing's true with them. You win these three, they're in a bowl. They're already three and two, too. So uh, two new coaches uh, in the league, uh, you know, are both struggling uh, for identity, but at the same time trying to build something recruiting-wise. I think the negativity that's going to exist with Tennessee about the probation is going to hurt them. And then South Carolina is going against Clemson, which is, you know, tough in recruiting. But uh, And then the other guy we're going to talk about is uh, Harson. They, they're four and one. So you got three new coaches, all those people that uh, – and, and Vanderbilt are pretty happy. They, their uh, alumni base got to feel pretty good about where they are right now. But I would say this. I'm going to be ready to put this hat on myself like you had uh, the bag. I think all three of these coaches are living on Tulsa time right now. I think they're getting ready to get spanked here over the next few weeks. Tennessee, South Carolina, and Auburn, I think they're getting ready to get spanked. I want to emphasize, though, we talk about Tennessee's pace of play on offense, and we say that that it's fast. It's like fastest in the country fast. I mean, they get up there and they go. So, Coach, when you say that tempo hurts a team, they're almost on a different level than some of the tempo that we've seen. Yeah, I mean, it all originates from Baylor where, uh, you know, some of these coaches that coach with uh, Coach Heupel at uh, Missouri helped him with that. And then he, you know, kept it going there at UCF. And now he's he got a good feel for how to get the team in and out of the, you know, the last play and uh, really fast one-word type deals, whatever it might be. But they, they know how to line up quick. 
And I think our man Brent was pretty good early in the year analyzing, talking about how lazy their receivers and some of their other people were that weren't getting lined up fast enough, and it was hurting them. And and then when they did, they weren't really going full speed. So now they recognize that you uh, you don't necessarily have to throw the ball when you go in a hurry. The running game is just as good. So uh, they're doing a good job with it, I mean. But let's don't go overboard here. This Missouri defense is among the, among the worst that we've seen in the SEC in a long time. I mean, when Missouri plays Vanderbilt, that is going to be a real – I mean, that's going to be unreal to see who can get off the field in that game. Comment from uh, Randy Gibson over on Facebook says, I met Coach Donnan years ago when he was a coach and I was a security guard on the field and he was always cool and always spoke. I was only 18 or 19 years old. Thanks, Randy. Oh, appreciate you, Randy. I appreciate that, Randy. Did you have a gun? <laughs> <laughs> you hey, can let man. us know if you have a reply to that, Randy. Hey, that's nice. That's nice. You always try to, you know, I always try to recognize the uh, support staff in the stadium because – you know, really, Pete, the coach, what do you got to think about until the kickoff? There's not, I mean, you're not going to go in there and study your game plan. And if you don't know what you're doing then, so I always, that kind of made me relax, get around and thank the people that were helping us, the grounds crew. And, the, and a lot of coaches do that. You just walk around and talk to everybody. And then, of course, you try to see the recruits too, which is very important because uh, that's another chance to see them. I know a lot of times, when uh, you're playing a team from the other other school and you're playing on the road, some of these other coaches seem to get mad at you when you kind of bump into those recruits on the side. I couldn't help that our guys were warming up over there close to them, and I couldn't help that I just kind of got over there about within two or three yards and said, well, how'd you do last night, big guy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so we're going to move on to um... – the the primetime game of the week and i've been doing uh, an ask me anything over at auburnsports.com at the bunker uh with some auburn fans over there the rival site on uh so you've been giving up some stuff about our team come on man i've been answering whatever questions they have they've been um telling me a lot of things uh to do that probably are not (laughs) why don't you give them uh, some insight and teaching coach hartson how to talk on camera that would probably be good uh you know, the, the idea is to look at the camera, not put your head down the whole time. Tell him, ask him if, what, why he does that. I mean, is he, uh, I mean, I'm, I, the guy's intelligent. He talks, but he starts talking and then he puts his head down and then he looks up and then he puts it down again. He's certainly not looking at any notes because he talks for like 30 minutes every time he answers a question. I, I wish Georgia had a bit more access sometimes, like some of the Auburn ones. I'll, I'll say that much. Uh, well, I can do bust some media them up, bust them up on there. If you let them know about their coach, say, hey, if you're going to be a big-time coach, you got to look at the camera. All right. I'll, I'll let them know. I'll let them know. Three thirty, Per, per Coach Don. <laughs> 3.30 Eastern time, 2.30 Central on the Plains, number two, Georgia at number 18, Auburn. Brent, I'd like to give you the, uh, the, the first go-round at the Georgia games because Coach and I talked about it on Tuesday. Yeah, it's it's when you think about last the last two years, you've got now a third, you know, Bo Nix starting for the third time against Georgia. In those two t- times that he started, he has 91 pass attempts in two games against Georgia and only a 68 passing grade, 4.6 yards per attempt. Like he's been running for much like he was against LSU. He's been running for his life the past two years uh, How many against Georgia. Brand? How many? Uh, 50, 51 of 91. 
for 420 yards in those two games, but also only 20 points uh, in two years uh, against Georgia. And this is one where this game, just to me, I I don't see an avenue barring. And this is for, for me with Georgia, the rest of their schedule is this way. If they don't give the ball to the other team, I just there's no team on their schedule that has consistent enough offense to me that can you know put up in the twenty into the twenties in and around thirty points. It's just not going to happen. Like look, looking at Auburn last year, I put this on Twitter earlier. It was the lowest team grade against Georgia last year. The game, uh, the second week of the season, lowest team grade in defense, uh, offense, and then overall they've had in the entire PFF area. So eight years. So in eight years of us grading games, that was the worst graded game that they'd ever had last year against Georgia. And the other thing with Auburn, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to beat Georgia, you're going to score points, you're going to do things against them. You have to make the plays that are available. Auburn right now is second in the SEC in terms of drop percentage. They have six players with at least two drops uh, among their backs and receivers. Uh, It's just, I don't know that they're going to have enough consistent offense. Now, defensively, I think they can actually do some things defensively to the Georgia offense. They've got a lot of – now, granted, you're getting stats against other teams, but if you look at Hall, 29, Wooten, 25, Moultrie, 99, and Leota, uh, 55, those four guys, they already have career highs in terms of pressures, sacks. Like, they're actually on the along the defensive front getting after it quite well. But I, I still think Georgia is able to take care of its own business and – do something no matter who the quarterback is, which I think it appears like it's going to be Stetson again. But I just, since to me, and to me, I think that's one of the thing with Georgia, just big picture. They don't have a backup quarterback. To me, they have two starting quarterbacks. And, you know, you look at Stetson Bennett as a career from a grading perspective and, and all the metrics that we look at at PFF, they're all better than Bo Nix over his three seasons. I mean, it's just, you know, the Georgia's in a very significant, uh, very good situation right now with its quarterback room. And I think it's just going to continue. The running game got a, a little bit better against, better against Arkansas. Backs are doing things. I just don't see this game being overly competitive, barring Georgia giving them the ball. Well, here's the thing about a lot of Auburn statistics. I mean, when you play uh, Akron and when you who hasn't won a game, uh, Alabama, Alabama State. I, yeah. I don't know what Alabama State's record is, but couldn't be that great. And then uh, Georgia State is a decent team. Uh, you know, you, you're going to build up some stats. But uh, And then last week, you know, they made a couple miraculous plays that Bob Nix just go down and lore for uh, Auburn lore. Those two plays just uh, solidified his name there with the way he – because he haven't beaten LSU down there since 99. So it was a terrific win and give him a lot of credit. But as you mentioned uh, – their same pretty much offensive line that played here last year looked like a jailbreak on every pass. I mean, I watched that tape yesterday, and they, he was running for his life the whole game. And, uh, you know, I don't know what these tackles are going to try to do against uh, our pass rush this year. Maybe they'll use another uh, tight end on both sides and keep a back end or do what, but they were running for their lives. Uh, you know, the the backs, uh, Bigsby didn't do anything last year, and Nick. So, but this is this year, and, uh, you know, they, they're playing at home, and they got a lot of juice right now. They're four and one. Anything can happen in a big game. You just, you know, you don't want to go overboard on that, but it looks like a real mismatch, our defensive line against their O-line. And then, you know, uh, they do have some good things on defense, but they're not a good pressure team. 
if, you know, they were able to pressure that LSU team who can't block very well on pass protection. But if they try to play man coverage against our uh, our backs and tight ends, uh, they got one good corner that can probably sh- shut down us on the outside. But they're going to be in some bad shape trying to cover uh, Cook and McIntosh and Bowers. I just think that'll help us a lot. And uh, as you mentioned, Stetson, he just thrives on a team where, you know, you can move around in the pocket and dump it off and things like that. And then we got a good kicking game too. Uh, so we just got to go take care of business. We are the number two or maybe number one team in the nation. And I don't think that they're, they're a top 20 team, or even though they're rated that, but you know, things can happen. You can always lose the game. So that could happen, but we would have to have one of those unbelievable nightmare games like we did against South Carolina for them to win. I think that the start to this game is going to be very important for either side because when Jordan-Hare Stadium is one of the greatest home field advantages in college football. When that place is rocking, it is really, really, really hard to play. Georgia has had some success there, and I think a lot of that is predicated on getting points on the board early and kind of taking that crowd out of it in some ways. Now, we'll see if Georgia can do that. Um, Georgia hasn't really been slowed offensively in the last few weeks, but I don't think Georgia's played any fantastic defense either. So I, I think the crowd probably helps Auburn some. I do think having Mike Bobo helps Auburn some. We saw last year he uh, you know, play called South Carolina to some points that they probably didn't have the talent to get against Georgia's defense. So I think that's helpful. But just from an overall talent standpoint, I mean, Georgia's a better team. And coach, if like you said, if Auburn takes this, and Brent, maybe you want to jump in here, it's probably because Georgia made mistakes. Yes, and and you mentioned the coach point. It's not like you're playing Tennessee and Heupel of somebody you're not used to, or next you know next week against Kentucky where you're facing Lee and Cohen, an offense that you haven't really seen a lot of. You're playing against Mike Bobo and Derek Mason. Like you kind of know those guys already. That that's that's our, we already know those people. We we, we got this. Yeah, hey, and the one thing I would mention about the crowd noise, and it's certainly probably true, but 96, we're behind 28 to 7, and uh, that crowd was high, but, you know, we were able to come back. So there's always a chance, even if you start out bad in Jordan Hare. So uh, just had to throw that in to you. (laughs) (laughs) Good one to get in there, Coach. Well, only thing, definitely the longer that crowd can be in the game, the better chance Auburn has, no question. No question. I mean, if there's a, a stadium where just weird things happen and there's some some funky voodoo, it's Jordan Hare. I mean, the the college football lore has kind of been built there when uh, things happen when they shouldn't have. Uh, let's move on to our the four o'clock game on SEC Network. We talked about Missouri's defense. North Texas comes to town. It's a chance for Missouri to get back on the board, but it may not be the easiest thing, Brent. No, and and my only question, like this is massive. They, they're going to get this game. North Texas lost by 34 points to UAB, by the way. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> Missouri is probably going to handle this one just fine. But they need some they need some help to get bowl eligible. They're going to have a tough go of it recently. My only question about this game is, is for you, coaches. Have you ever had to let go of a coach during the season and let go? You know, they've already done uh, got rid of one defensive staff member. It keeps getting worse. It might like, you might not have any defensive coaches left there. No, I really hadn't had that situation. But uh, you know, you never know what the precipitated that. But uh, certainly, I've felt like making some changes during the year, but uh, never did. But I just feel like that uh, 
North Texas should be a really good passing team. That's their uh, MO, but they're not throwing the ball very effectively this year and not doing anything offensively, uh, you know, less than 300 yards for the mean green. So this is going to be an easy game for, for Missouri and they're going to get their pride back a little bit. But, uh, you know, I bet there's not 20,000 people at that game, maybe less than 20. Uh, Mizzou fans are really chapped right now. They got a new athletic director and uh, we'll see how she likes it with all those fans, not at the game. Let's move on to uh, the nightcap. We have uh, 7.30 on SEC Network. Pretty big, big game for SEC Network. You have LSU at Kentucky. And uh, Brent, Kentucky, a pretty important game if they want to be in the national headlines the following week against what could be an undefeated Georgia team as well. Yeah, you, and you think about Kentucky, they are the – much like – I mean, not as a comparison from a team perspective, but just looking at how their games have gone – like Ohio State, the year that they had Craig Krenzel, uh, Kinzel or Krenzel or Kinzel, something at quarterback, where every game was a close game, and they're just winning at the end, winning at the end. They've won their four straight last four games by seven points or less, and that you know that includes obviously Chattanooga in there. Uh-oh. So you know they're they're you know they're winning these close games and doing things that maybe Kentucky fans aren't really used to seeing a lot of. And, you know, and when you look at this game, it's can they pressure Max Johnson? They haven't really done it, you know, yes. other than Josh Pascal. Like, yes, I think that the, the basic answer is yes. But other than Josh Pascal, they haven't really got, got a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And obviously, LSU allows a lot of it. Max is third or, or fifth in the uh, F- SEC in terms of dropbacks. He's 33% pressure dropbacks. And his passing grade goes down to 29.1, 50% completion when he's pressured. If they can pressure Max Johnson, do what they do in the running game. Uh, there's no Derek Stingley in this game, you know, so I think they can handle their business, but I, th- I think it's going to be a close game. Just It's just how they play. Yeah, I mean, those are all great points because uh, they got a home situation where, I mean, they, you know, they had a tremendous win last week, and now they got to sell out again up there at Kroger Field. I just feel like that that crowd's going to really give them a lot of juice, and the LSU – is looking in the mirror right now. They got everybody talking about is the coach going to be back, all that stuff. And sometimes that makes you bond together and you're able to come back. But without Stingley, without a running game, it's certainly going to be challenging. But two players aren't playing for this Kentucky team. Ali, the, the receiver who's taking some pressure off Wandell Robinson, you know, he get, he's the second guy. Who else are they going to throw the ball to? And then McCall, a good defensive lineman, big guy, about 360. He's out too, so hard to replace a guy like that just off the you know off the bench. So uh, it's kind of a wash there with Stingley not playing, and then these two guys. But uh, boy, you just got to feel like Stoops got his team ready to rock you now, and they're they're looking down the barrel of hey, we're not only a challenging team, uh, you know, in the East, but we got a chance. You know, hey, stranger things have happened. We you know he's never beaten George himself, but. They got to look at the fact that look, they 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 got a chance, a lot like Ole Miss. Uh, hey, they got a chance to go a long way in the in the in the grand scheme of things, and they're a good enough team to do it. I just don't see their offense looking like they're very confident right now. They they're trending. If you look at their stats, regardless of who they play, they went into the fourth quarter against Chattanooga without any offense. It returned, a, uh, you know, a, an interception for a touchdown that really helped them. 
So, uh, you know, when you're making that transition to a different style, you know, it's something that you just got to build that trust and build that confidence that we can make these plays. They've always been a running team. They can, you know, count on their defense, but now they're counting on taking away from that running game and throwing the ball more. And all of a sudden they're not good at either one of them. So they need to perfect that and, and get some confidence in it. You know, Brent, if you look at it on the LSU side, I, I look at which SEC teams are most likely to want to consider a coaching change after the season, just based off things go. Now there were four last season. And so there's a lot of new guys that they get some time. LSU may be the only one that that would be kind of on that edge there. And a loss against Kentucky may make it even more justifiable for their administration. Just two years removed from one of the best seasons in the history of college football. It's amazing to think that that would be the case. And, and when you also think that now you're LSU, you're going and going, you're going up against a player that you kind of, in essence, dismissed. You didn't really, but he transferred. Dare Rosenthal is now left tackle for Kentucky and playing well uh, through the past two years. So, you know, you got that element. Like, it, it's 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 going to be an interesting game. But you know, I think for LSU, being on the road actually might be better for them. Uh, you know, when, when things are going not so great, maybe it's just better to be on the road, kind of, you know, that hunker down mentality. Uh, but I, I don't – I mean, and I think just because of the way Kentucky plays, and like Coach said, you know, when he's talking about it started out great and it's gone down ever since – Will Levis, his passing grade has actually decreased in every game to the point where it was 34.7 against Florida. So struggle bus for there, uh, for the Wildcats there. But, you know, can they pull it off? Can they get to, you know, technically, by the way, and Mark Stoops is probably selling the snot out of this. Hey, we control our own destiny. We control our own destiny in the East. It's not basketball season yet. <laughs> hey, Coach O, at eight and seven, the last 15 games, and – that just doesn't cut it at LSU, uh, regardless of how many coaches you've lost, uh, how many uh, kids have transferred. It just seems a very much program in turmoil. And you look at that game and the way it trended. I mean, they were headed to half. They're going in there in the third and fourth quarter with chances to score touchdowns. They get illegal procedure or offside penalties on both possessions inside the 20 and have to kick field goals. I mean, th this LSU team's not a team that you usually see kicking field goals over the last three or four years. And uh, the other thing that I just can't – that amazes me, that Butte, I don't care who covers him, how many guys you put on him, you got seven catches the first half and then one in the second. You got to throw the ball to this guy. Get it to him any way you can. Line him up in the backfield and just dead sweep him. But what a phenomenal player he is. And I think this uh, Kentucky defense on the pass defense – is not anything to write home about. If they can protect him just a little bit, uh, this guy's going to get open. I heard a nickname for uh, Coach Orgeron, Cajun Chizik. Yeah, I don't think his his uh, situation parallels Chizik quite so much, except the fact they're going backward a little bit, you know, uh, like Chizik's team went all the way. But, uh, you know, he did some really good things when he took over right off the bat there when he was, you know, the interim coach before it. And that just has a lot more wins than Chiswick did. But you certainly could say that he, you know, that could be a, a nickname. But I don't think it uh, – he certainly has done a whole lot more than Chiswick did at, at uh, Auburn. And nothing taken away from, from Chiswick. But I think Coach O, uh, you know, hey, we got to get this team ready. 
I, I heard him yesterday when he was interviewed, uh, I guess it was from Tuesday's press conference, and he said tremendous four times. He said, we're going to have a tremendous practice. We're going to have a tremendous game. Our coaches are doing are going to do a tremendous job, and that's just tremendous. So let's see if they're tremendous. Let's uh, talk about some unfulfilled prophecy in the final game of the SEC this week. 8 o'clock primetime, CBS picked this long ago, number one Alabama at Texas A&M. And uh, CBS may lose a little bit of money compared to what it thought it had, maybe the same way that Jimbo Fisher is kind of losing some money for Texas A&M, Brent. Uh, I mean, he's not. He's doing quite well. Like they're boosters. Pocket. How about that? For, yeah, for they're, boosters. yeah, the people that are paying him are, you know, hey, we're going to end up paying you for eight and four or nine and three at best. Uh, but, you know, it's just they had so much talent all around, and the quarterback injury has just derailed them. Like, it's just the, – the, unfortunately for the Calzada kid, he's just not it at the quarterback position. He's a 50% passer. He's – for any good thing he does, it has a, he throw, has a turnover-worthy play. It's just – it's been a struggle for them. But, obviously, they're playing Alabama, and that's not good and not fun. But I will say this about Alabama and the game last week against Florida. It is a big-time sort of line in the sand for them in, the, in their season, or not or last week against Ole Miss, with the McClellan injury. Him get going out for the year with his knee injury, like you look at their running back room right now, like Bama's always had two guys. It's not just one. They've always had two. And now it's Robinson who had 30 – he had 37 carries going into the you know, end of that game. He had 36 in that game. Outside of that, McClellan was the second guy. Outside of that, you got Cam Wheaton that was a five-star kid who hasn't played at all. You've got Trey Sanders who's still coming back from injury who hasn't didn't hasn't gotten a carry in an SEC game. And then you got a, a Williams kid who's just been average thus far. Their running back room and what it can do, and if it makes them one-dimensional offensively, that was massive in terms of an injury for Alabama in that game against uh, Ole Miss. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, you, you, one of these other backs is going to have to jump up and do well. But, you know, the thing that, that you've got with uh, with LSU, uh, kind of like LSU, A&M's questioning themselves, you know, hey, what's wrong with us? Uh, you know, we were supposed to be this, and certainly losing their quarterback has a lot to do with it. But their defense let them down last week. I mean, uh, they couldn't get off the field. We saw that uh, repertoire of uh, Mike Leach's passes where he just threw a lot of underneath stuff and then – when all of a sudden you start jamming them up and they throw the fade, they hit a couple of fades for touchdown. So uh, they really know what they're doing, uh, Mississippi State. And if you don't get them off the field and he gets in rhythm, he's got that little playbook on his uh, wrist there. You know, he has a very small one compared to some of these guys. Well, no card. But that small one he's got, got a lot of stuff in it and it really works. And, uh, so I fault the defense as much as I do the offense for that game. I mean, you got to get off the field and let them get back on the field and give the ball to Spiller and Wiedemeyer, that tight end, some of those guys. But uh, it, it'll be a massive upset. It, it would be something uh, along the lines of, uh, I don't know what you call the biggest upset of uh, SEC this year, but it would really be big for A&M because they don't have the firepower to really attack this uh, Alabama defense and Alabama is better than they have been, but they still got some issues on, you know, they, they give up a lot of plays to uh, teams that uh, can protect, uh, you know, when they don't get to the quarterback, it, it's a different situation. So, but 
here's another game, Nick against his uh, one of his ex guys, and looks like Nick's going to be twenty four and oh now after this one this week. Jeffrey Bailey says on YouTube that Texas A and M is a culture thing for this crop on defense. That they read those papers in the preseason. You could be right. I mean, you start reading all your all your things that you're going to be like uh, that uh, wrecking crew defense like uh, R.C. Slocum used to have there. So I think it's uh, can be, you know, rat poison or whatever you want to say, like Nick. But uh, they had a 9-1 season last year. They won a bowl game uh, in Orange Bowl, and they had all these high hopes, and they're, they're going to chat. Even Jimbo's talking about we're going to beat Alabama down there in Houston. I don't know if he had a couple pops or what, but he said it. He says time for us to do it. So they might do it. But, uh, hey, you, one thing you can watch out for, uh, that's Scott Woodward is the AD at uh, at LSU now. He's the one that hired Jimbo at, uh, at the uh, Texas A&M. Jimbo has no buyout. I mean, if he wants to leave, he can leave. So uh, he's always been a fair-haired boy there ever since he won a national championship at LSU. I could see him. I could see them going for that. And the thing about LSU that all of us got to remember when you start bagging on LSU and talking about them in the, in this century, they've won three national championships with three different coaches. So it's not like you can't go in there and win pretty quick. I mean, Nick went in there and won quickly. Uh, same thing with uh, Miles, and the same thing with Coach uh, O. So uh, you could see a whether it's Franklin or, or who they try to get. But uh, I would think Woodward would go after Jimbo first. Interesting. I had not. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, that would be, if Coach calling that, that happens, we're, we're, we, guys, we may want to save this. Well, well, I did, I'm, I want to make sure he's not calling that it's going to happen. He's saying no, there's no. potential with some history there. He's, he's if, connecting dots. If they, if they let him go, uh, this guy's got a history of really big, hires i mean when he was at washington he he got peterson from boise state uh that was a big hire now he's at lsu he got that uh, lady from baylor uh back as a ladies basketball coach paying her over two million dollars i think to to get her back there so uh and he's a lsu grad i mean this is his school and uh he, he can put his mark on it i know he wants to back coach o but uh, we'll, we'll see. I hope Coach O can figure figure it out and get this season over with because all of a sudden, here's what's going to happen, and it happens to every team. You lose a, your head coach, then what your player is going to do? A transfer portal, man, you got a chance to go somewhere else. And uh, all of a sudden, you lose your coach and you start losing players too. Marion Stanton, thank you for watching. Uh, so that's the SEC slate that's presented by Connor Grading and Landscaping. I want to sneak one more in here for you, Coach, uh, because it is a top five matchup, so it's got national ramifications when you start looking ahead. But Penn State and Iowa, that's a, that, that's a game that people should be paying attention to. For sure. I mean, you look at that as that Big Ten East, whatever the name of it is, the conference. Uh, I don't know how they call it, but. They got four undefeated teams, plus you got uh, Ohio State. So uh, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, uh, uh, you know, three, I mean, excuse me. But uh, we'll see what happens uh, with this Iowa team. I was really impressed with them against Maryland, although Maryland's defense was was not much. But they got a good good sense of uh, direction. They're an older team. 
They know what they're doing. And uh, Penn State doesn't look to have a, a lot of offense. So we could see this being a real tight fit game. But, uh, you know, Des Moines is a tough place to play. I played up there when uh, I was a sophomore in college. One of the first times I ever got on an airplane, we went up there and um, it, it's, uh, you know, a big stadium. I, I couldn't believe how big it was. And I never will forget I had a hand warmer because I was a punter. I was a second team quarterback, but I wasn't going to get in there much. But I had a hand warmer. We're playing in November. And uh, this guy tried to take it from me. And we got a little fisty cuffs on the sideline. We didn't really actually hit each other, but he didn't get my hand warmer. But I remember that when we were playing the Iowa Cyclones. So uh, take your hand warmers up there, Penn State, and don't let anybody take them from you. Way to stand your ground and keep your hand warmers. So uh, I had a good day, had a good day punting too, but I guarantee you, uh, I was uh, I was scared to death. I was going to have to go in on offense against those big boys. Brent, I'll let you uh, have the last word in this show. Do you have a take on Iowa Penn State? Uh, no, but I just think that Ohio State is actually going to end up running the table and being the Big Ten champ. And to me, they're the team that, when you just look at the landscape of college football from a talent perspective, they're the one you need to watch because as long as that quarterback keep CJ Stroud keeps getting better, they have weapons upon weapons upon weapons on the outside, and that's that's the one team I think that I think they run the table. I think they end up winning the Big Ten. Yeah, I think they will too. And the the big caveat though is their defense is exact opposite. So uh, what what they can do defensively. But you made some good points to me uh, off the off air there yesterday about they're they're the kind of team that could challenge Georgia with their running and passing. And uh, anybody that's got that, I don't care how good you are on defense. You see in the NFL, if you got a guy that can read defenses and throw the ball down the field and get protection. I don't care how good you are in the secondary. You'll get open. I mean, they give scholarships. These guys know how to run routes and everything. So uh, we had a good show today, and I want to bring out one point about the landscape in the corner because uh, I had a chance to see yesterday. Brent had a little video that he showed me of uh, the way his lawn was set up with the uh, gravel in it uh, to take care of the, the rain and the way that was coming off there and not hitting his yard and just uh, set up on two different levels just goes to show you had a lot of sense getting Connor to set that up or your house will probably be underwater tonight. It's it, we, uh, we are, we have a lot of runoff across the road that comes onto ours. And it's basically it, when it pours, it looks like a river, but because we've done a lot of grading and they did all that work, uh, it just stays in that w realm and, and does just fine. Yeah, I mean, I was impressed with that, regardless who our sponsors are. But I, the fact they are our sponsors shows you they know what they're doing. And when you got rain like this, I mean, you got to be careful. You put an investment in your yard and you're, you're all over your shrubbery and things, and all of a sudden it just washes away. I mean, I don't know anybody's got any insurance on that. So, hey, go out there and let Connor come in there and set it up for you. Go check out their Facebook page. The easiest way to find it, just go to Google, type in Connor Grading and Landscaping Facebook. You'll find everything right there. There'll be the contact information. Just get them out to your house and uh, let them give you a quote, maybe some ideas of what you can do at your place. This has been Around the League from UGASports.com. We do this every week where we talk about uh, what's happening in the SEC and the slate of games and get you set for a fun weekend. So this is our in-season weekly podcast about the SEC, again, presented by Connor Grading and Landscaping. For or Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus, the former Georgia head coach Brent Rollins, or former Georgia head coach Jim Donnan. 
Brent, sorry, you're not a former Georgia head. Not coach. yet. Not yet. Whoa. <laughs> the phone calls, Kirby. For Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus and Jim Donnan, the former Georgia head coach and college football Hall of Famer. I'm Dane Young from UGASports.com. Thanks for watching and make sure you're subscribed to this YouTube channel. We're really putting a lot of effort into the content that we publish here. You'll get it right on your phone right as we publish it if you just hit subscribe. So thanks for doing that. We'll see you next week.